One of the most decorated volleyball players in Penn State's history is set to take center stage at the mecca of competition. Haley Washington joins us on this episode of the Let's Go State podcast and what was an intriguing conversation about USA Volleyball dealing with life's various adversities and a quote from Russ Rose's wife that Haley still carries with her to this day. Our conversation with Haley Washington is next. Haley Washington, our latest guest on the Let's Go State podcast as we visit with the Colorado native prior to Team USA's departure to Tokyo. Now, Haley, there might not be a busier program in the world than USA Volleyball at this point in time. So I've got to start with this question. What does your day-to-day schedule look like right now? Day-to-day lately has been a little bit intense. Um, So we've been starting practice around 8.30. Mondays, we've been starting at 7 a.m. So everything's just pushed back an hour and a half. Usually we start around 8.30. So I'm up at seven and I'm putting all my stuff on, throwing, getting my bag together. I'm walking out the door at the gym by 7.30ish. I like to get there an hour early so I can do breakfast and then I start rehab and treatments. So I'm rolling out, I'm stretching, I'm doing rehab exercises for my knees, my shoulder, my ankle, my hamstring, pick a body part. (laughs) Um, And then after that, we meet at the whiteboard, which is basically just where we have our practice plan laid out and our head coach, Karch, will debrief what we're doing for that day. And then we get a nice big USA break and then we go and now we start lifting and I love lift. I usually like lift at the end of the day, but now we're lifting before practice. So it's okay. We lift for about an hour, which is very tight for me because I'm a very slow lifter. Cause I going to be honest, I dance a lot. So I'll be like lifting, but I'll also be dancing and I waste a lot of time. So I don't know. But then we lift after lift. I got about six or seven minutes to like throw all my stuff on and then get out to the court and then we start practice and today we practiced from 10 to 1 so a couple of hours or so and then after that because we're out from the olympics we've had meetings after practice and then we've had a meeting and we've talked through covid protocols we've talked about what food's going to look like we've talked about what travel's going to look like what apps we need to download we had to get a six foot charging cord and then we finally get to leave the gym i'm home i get to relax unless I get to have the pleasure of talking to people or getting things organized, going to CVS, picking up prescriptions, run around like a chicken with my head cut off, and then I go to bed and do it all over again. <laughs> That's a heck of a schedule for a day. A big day. But, you know, yeah. I like to say I like to say it's a great day to have a day, and I certainly have been having days. So That's a good thing. Great day to have a day. Now, you just mentioned the uh, COVID protocols and the travel restrictions and all that stuff. How is this year's Olympics different from – events that you've experienced in the past. Yeah, I think what we're going to see is there's going to be a lot less overlap in things. So uh, at events in the past that I've been to, I've only been to like a World Cup and uh, VNL, but the VNL that I've been to was a regular VNL and then a COVID restriction VNL. And I think what I'm noticing is there's just going to be a lot less overlap with teams. So I won't, we won't be able to go and watch our event. We won't be able to go and watch a men's game, for example. There's going to be very limited movement throughout the village, I'm feeling like. Uh, obviously masks will be mandatory and there's going to be no fans. I think that's going to be the number one biggest difference between any other Olympics and this Olympics is we're going to have no fans in the stands. And I think that that's going to be a really interesting dynamic and energy shift that we're going to see and have to deal with. How can you use that to your advantage? I think I kind of like the no fans thing. No offense to fans. We love having you guys. We love the energy that you guys bring. But it's really nice because it's easy to talk to my front line. Like, I love scheming with my block on the front line and saying, like, hey, I need your help on the gap or you need to clear or, hey, get in on the pipe. And 
just being able to openly communicate is really nice. And then it's also easier to really just be present in a moment because you're not trying to tune out noisemakers and music and clapping and woos, which I, oh, just talking about it makes me miss it so much. It's fun to battle through the energy of the fans, but it's also nice because it's easier to like really find your center and be in the moment. So highs and lows. <laughs> the number one thing that other Olympians that we've spoke with have told me that they're looking forward to aside from the competition is Olympic Village and how different that will be and how you are in a lockdown bubble. You can't go watch some other teams and other events that you normally would, but there's a different dynamic to that. So what are you looking forward to with Olympic Village? Um, I'm a baby, so I have no idea what to expect. I'm really looking forward to just taking it all in, to just being in this atmosphere, being, I'm really looking forward to the cafeteria. I am hoping, I'm hoping sports can at least overlap in the cafeteria. I'm not going to like approach any athletes, but it would be cool to see these great athletes just all in the same space. Like that is so cool to me. So I'm super lame, but I'm really looking forward to like the cafeteria and then just taking it all in. Like it's going to be so different, but it's going to be so special. So I'm really excited for that. <laughs> now you said before we actually started talking or recording this podcast that you're going to try to journal. Um, and that's going to be something that you're going to do um, during the Olympics. Why are you choosing to do that? Well, one, I've been journaling since I was eight years old. I love journaling. I think it's just a really good way to kind of clear my head, get all my thoughts down, process, reflect, learn, and grow. I love journaling. Um, but this is a really unique Olympics. I don't think anything, any Olympics before this has been like this. And I find it very hard to believe that any Olympics after this will be like this very specific Olympics. And so I want to take very detailed notes in my journal of what we're experiencing and what it's like. The good and the bad, because I've heard that it takes like six hours to get to the airports to get to the village. And I've heard that like you're only allowed a very limited number of people in certain parts of the village. And so I think it, there's so much that's going to be so different. And just being able to take those detailed notes just to look back on one, because like maybe in a year from now, when everything is open, fingers crossed, knock on wood, I can look back and be like, aha, that's so crazy. Remember when we had to do that? And or if I get the opportunity to go to another Olympics, I can compare and be like, wow, what a different setup. And then also when the aliens eventually take over and they'll read my notebook to be like, wow, the humans did these weird sporting events in very detailed ways. <laughs> so there's also that. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a good story to tell? That'd be oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's go away from the actual Olympics and take me back to the roots of your volleyball career and how you really got started. Who inspired you? Who brought you up the, the roots of your foundation? Yeah, for sure. Uh, originally, I was going to play football. Actually, I really wanted to play football as a kid. But my dad pointed out that I was 6'3 and 70 pounds. And so football was off the table. It was not going to happen. So I went to the volleyball tryout kind of grumbly and angry because I just wanted to play football and be like a cool tomboy. But I guess I would give volleyball a try. And I ended up playing volleyball and I fell in love with it very quickly. And then after my, that was when I was in seventh grade, I was 12 years old. My coach at the time in my seventh grade team has, was starting a volleyball club in my small little town in Clear Creek County, Angie Tennis. I'm so grateful for Angie because she was the one that kind of introduced me to the club volleyball world albeit at a pretty limited level. It's not like we were competing with the best of the best, but it was still a start and it kind of put my foot in the door. And then from there, I started to grow. Eventually I found Colorado Juniors Volleyball Club. Bill and Judy Peer were huge influences in my volleyball career. They helped me get college views. They helped colleges come look at me. They helped me talk to colleges. And then 
I was afforded the opportunity to go play at Penn State on a full ride. We are baby. And uh, yeah, followed that and just have been rolling with the punches since. Let's go right there. Penn State. How do you think Happy Valley shaped you into the, the player and the person you are today? Mitch, that's such a good question. Do you want to know why? Because I always say the thing that makes Penn State volleyball great isn't just that you become a good player, you become a good volleyball player, but you become a good person in the world. Like the work ethic and the mental fortitude that you have from going through the Penn State women's volleyball program really molds you into a good person and a person that will be successful in anything that they do. And so I am so grateful for my four years at Penn State. They were some of the hardest years of my volleyball career. I am not going to deny it. They were so hard, not just physically on my body, but like mentally having to overcome constant obstacles and pushing myself to be better and finding places where I fell short. Like it was a very challenging part of my career, but it prepared me for honestly professional volleyball. No obstacle that I have faced in professional volleyball has ever been as difficult as anything I faced at Penn State. And then it also helped me become a very patient person, become a very malleable person. I can adjust to situations very well because Penn State instilled that value in me. So you speak of the challenges and the difficulties that you overcame at Penn State and went through that adversity. Um, How do you think that sets you up for the position you're in today to be able to perform at that top level? Yeah, I think for starters, uh, the challenges at Penn State automatically made me a big learner. Like, I think that's one of my favorite aspects of my game is I am constantly trying to learn and constantly trying to grow. And I'm, I've always been passionate about just learning more about volleyball. And so being at Penn State, Russ was very quick to point out the things I needed to learn. <laughs> He's like, hey, you don't transition ever. You should get up. And I was like, okay, all right, let me work on that. I should, I should do that. And so I had to learn how to grow that part of my game blocking. I'd never been the strongest blocker. So I had to learn to grow that part of my game. And then when I eventually graduated and got into the USA gym, there were still things that I was struggling with. And so I had to learn how to grow that aspect of my game. And that also meant that I had to be really good at being uncomfortable because learning when you have a skill that you think you're good at, you think that you just always are going to feel good and in this flow, but in reality, you're going to be really uncomfortable when you're trying new things. And so I learned how to be really uncomfortable being at Penn State. And I fell short sometimes. Sometimes I failed. Sometimes I wasn't always the best, but it still pushed me to be better and helped me be a good learner. Being comfortable with the uncomfortable is one of those mottos that people live by. What is the daily motto that you live by? Mm, The daily motto that I live by. I'm actually going to steal it from Jill Ellis. I just started because I've been using the motto. I just haven't known that I've been using the motto. Jill Ellis says it. Uh, We had a chance to talk to her. Jill Ellis is this really amazing soccer coach. If you don't know who she is, coached at UCLA, coached for the U.S. Women's National Team. Um, And it is hold fast, stay true. And I just, I have been living by those words without even knowing that I've been living by those words, which basically for me, it means hold fast. So when things get uncomfortable, when things are difficult and I don't quite have it down, hold on, like keep pushing through the discomfort, keep pushing through the fact that you're failing and just stay true, keep going. Like you're gonna find it, you're gonna figure it out. You're exactly where you need to be in this discomfort, in this learning space. So just hold fast in that, stay true and you're gonna come out on the other side. And so just hearing that the other day, it was like fireworks, light bulbs all going off. I was like, 
yes, that's it. That's the motto. How do you stay patient? Um, I am a very impatient person. So I oftentimes have to actively tell myself to stay patient. But I think the sentence that kind of brings me back down when I start to get impatient is I am exactly where I need to be. And I've been saying that to myself for three years since I graduated, really. I remember leaving Penn State and I really had to work my way up in my professional career. I didn't start at this like number one team in Italy, like top tier, like I had to work my way up. I was in A2 for a little while. I was in the last place team in Italy. And then I was on like the fourth place team in Italy. And now I'm contending on one of the top teams and also have developed a pretty strong USA volleyball resume. And that took patience. It was a, it's a three years in the making. And just every day from the start telling myself, hey, I'm exactly where I need to be. Stay patient. Like I'm exactly who I need to be in this moment. I'm doing exactly what I need to do. And I just have to trust that. And I think that that trust and that knowing and that being present really helped me stay patient. Because if I dwell too long, I will lose my mind because I'm incredibly impatient. <laughs> For somebody that is either just graduating, whether that be in the real world, um, volleyball, whatever it is, and they're about to go through the process that you've gone through from the United States to traveling the world and playing the game that you love. What's the biggest piece of advice that you have for them? Don't quit on the bad days. Oh, that's just, that's my favorite line. You know who said that to me? Lori Rose, Russ Rose's wife, incredible woman, one of my favorite people in the world. And I have held onto that for so long because you are going to do things that are just going to suck. That's just how life goes sometimes. Like life is just sometimes really hard. And sometimes you're going to have a slew of bad days. You might even have months of bad days, but don't quit on those bad days because on those bad days, everything seems like impossible. The world seems dark. Nothing seems like it has value. And so it's easy to quit and it seems like the right thing to do. But then you finally break your head above water and you see the light again and everything's flowing and you're just like, oh yeah, I'm really passionate about this. I really love this. And so don't quit on the bad days. And then to just add a little thing to that, do what you're passionate about. Like follow your passions as much as you can, because when you do that, you can then pursue mastery in something that you're passionate about. I am so blessed that I can pursue mastery in a skill that I am passionate about. That is amazing. Not many people get to do that. So those are my pieces of advice. That's great advice. You are definitely <laughs> passionate about what you do, passionate about the game. And with that, that leads us to Tokyo. What makes a successful, passionate trip to Japan for you? For me, I think it's just doing what I do, which is playing volleyball free and loose. I've had this question a lot. Like people are like, what are you looking forward to in Tokyo? Are you so excited? I'm like, oh my gosh, you're going to Tokyo. And I'm like, yep, that, yep, it's, yep, that's great. But I'm just doing what it is that I like to do. And my body and frankly, my soul knows how to do. It sounds dramatic and kind of like a Hallmark card, but it's true. This is what I know how to do, and that's play volleyball. It's not going to be perfect, and I'm going to make mistakes, but I just get to go and play volleyball at the highest level possible with people that I absolutely adore. I have fallen in love with my teammates, and I only get this opportunity with them in this environment this one time. I'm stoked, man. Tokyo, baby! <laughs> For everybody that's going to watch your team this Olympic season in 2021, it's the 2020 Olympic Games. What's the most interesting thing about your teammates? Mm, 
we have a lot of big screamers. Like when big things happen, you should watch for the big celebrations. Like Jordan Thompson, our opposite, she's a big screamer. And like, she'll stick her neck out really far and she'll throw her hands down. She'll yell and she makes a great face. Uh, Governor Jordan Larson, an absolute baller and straight legend. Also, if she gets a stuff block, watch her celebrate. Like it is just so much fun to watch her cheer. Ah, it's amazing. And then also I think the steady level of play you'll find with a lot of our players, Jordan Poulter, Michelle Barch, Justine Wongarantes, all very steady, smooth, strong players. It's just like, Ooh, perfect. Such good volleyball. Good stuff, man. You a window seat person or aisle seat person on the plane flight over? I'm an aisle seat person, but it's because I get really hydrated and have to pee a lot. And so I don't like having to crawl over people to have to use the lavatory. So aisle seat. Makes sense. Got to battle through that uncomfortable adversity, right? (laughs) Exactly. Having to pee on the airplane. That's my uncomfortable adversity. (laughs) Appreciate your time. Best of luck in Tokyo and good to see you. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. We send our best wishes to Haley and Team USA as they compete for the world's top spot at the 2020 Olympic Games. For more Penn State-specific Olympic coverage, visit gopsusports.com.